our heart is initiated when we start speaking the word. When we start meditating on the word and then putting action to the word of God. I, I needed to say this in the announcement, but uh, starting tomorrow, um, every weekday, which is five days, Monday to Friday, at six in the morning, we did this earlier this year, for the next, for ten days, six in the morning to 6.30, we meet on our Facebook and our YouTube page for our morning devotions and prayer. We just spend 30 minutes to pray and to share a couple of passages. And you can come and join us for that before you leave out to work or before you leave out to school from 6 to 6.30 in the morning. It's normally really 30 minutes. And that is also part of the discipline that will help us in speaking the word, meditating on the word, and putting action to the word of God. And that is how we initiate a, a, a pure heart. And so when we start speaking the word of God, when we start meditating on the word of God, and then putting the word of God into action, our hearts will be filled with the word of God, and we will begin to have great success. If the word is in you um, richly, then you will live a rich life. A rich life, um, by that I mean a godly life. In fact, the psalmist says, Thy word, thine word have I hid in my heart. That I might not. Not the psalmist. The psalmist. There you go. Amen. Thy word have I. That I might not. So if the word is in your heart. You're going to live a more pure life. Or a purer life. I like how Joshua 1.8 says it. But let's read from verse 7. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instruction Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. So there is a formula for godly success. When we speak of success, we're not talking about just having a car and having a house and having a marriage and having kids, having college degrees and having lots of money in the bank because many people have those things and they are not successful. Success is not measured by your university degree. It's not measured by the size of your house. It is not measured by where your kids are. It's not, it not measured by how you look. It's not measured by where you live. Godly success is measured by how godly you are in terms of your relationship with God and people. So therefore, outside of a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you really don't have real success. And I know that many people are going to say, but what about the people who have lots of money? They are living a, a, a happy life. A happy life from your perspective is not a successful life. I see many people who are happy who are not successful. You know where I see them? Going parties. They were the most, I mean, what they use for their disposable hair on their head, I could use to trim my hair for five years. I, I'm telling you, I hear these things cost $70,000. $80,000. But they are not successful because they are miserable. They, they have a void in their lives. So success has more to do with a relationship with the Lord and Savior than the earthly things that people possess. Here's what it says. Verse 8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. It says, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. If the Bible is right, then if you are doing it outside of Christ, it is fake. If, if this scripture is right, 
then whatever you see people have outside of Christ is not real. It's not the real deal. It is useful, but it doesn't define your success in life. Amen? So, so today we want to talk about cleaning up and maintaining a pure heart before God. We cannot afford to place anything that contaminates our hearts that would cause us to miss out on the blessing of God. I said in the first service that I find it strange that sometimes we allow people to contaminate our hearts with how they treat us and how they speak to us. And here's what happened. We, our hearts get contaminated. We miss out on our blessing because, listen, if your heart is contaminated, then you're going to miss out on your blessing. The person who caused your heart to be contaminated is enjoying your blessing, you know. Because they're not keeping up them heart. But I'm going to get something in your heart to contaminate you. Are you following me? Don't allow anyone or anything to contaminate your heart to cause you to miss out on what God has for you. If I were you, I would take for myself. Because what God has for me is so important that I walk in it. The condition of our hearts also determines the outcome of our life. You need to write this down somewhere. Says, the condition of my heart determines the outcome of my life. The condition of my heart determines the outcome of my life. You are your heart. If your heart is sad, you're going to have a sad life. If your heart is bad, you're going to have a... If your heart is good, you're going to have a good life. How do you get a good life or a good heart? Not by good deeds. For there is none good. We get a good heart when we have the good Savior. And if my heart is good, my life is good. Because the outcome of my life is determined by the condition of my heart. So it is so important that as believers, we must judge our hearts to make sure that we have motives that are pure in our hearts. So we're going to look at Jesus and the scriptures and to see how we can maintain a pure heart. So as you see on the notes, point one says, a con contaminated heart prevent us from receiving the blessings of God. Do not allow it. The scripture says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? The hill of the Lord is a question. It says, oh, Who may stand in his holy place? It gives you the answer. Here are the persons, because to get the blessing of God, there's a place that you have to do well. The place you have to do well, even, even the psalm says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will do well. If you want to live in the blessing, you have to live in the dwelling. Let me say it again. If you want to live in God's blessing, you have to live in God's dwelling. You can't live outside of the place and enjoy the blessings of the place. You have to be in the vicinity of where the blessing is. So the mountain of God, the holy place of God is where the blessing is. The scripture is saying that who can come up to this place and live and enjoy the blessing? Who gets to be in the dwelling so that they can live in the blessing? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. It means if you don't have a clean hand or don't have clean hands and pure heart, you're not going to get to the place and you're not going to live in the blessing. Who have not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. When you hear that, 
You can't allow your heart to be contaminated. So I've, I've made up my mind. That listen. Nobody is going to do me anything. That caused me to get my heart messed up. The saddest thing is that. Somebody mess up your heart and them enjoy them life. And your life is miserable. And you allow it. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, don't, say, don't allow it. It brings me to something that's very important. Motives, attitudes, and thoughts originate in our hearts. Motives is what you do. Attitude is how you do. Well, motive is why, attitude is how, and thoughts is what. What you do, how you do it, and why you do it. So let me focus on attitude a little bit. Because I am learning this in this series. I am learning that my attitude Needs to ch- I need an attitude check. Because there are times when I don't have the best attitude. Here's what. I do right things many times. But I have bad, bad attitude. Bad attitude a whole lot of times. Way more times I have bad attitude. So I'm going to help us. Because I know, I know you all have great attitudes. But, but let me tell you. Listen, I have, I have, I have bad attitude. And I'm saying, God, you know what? As, as I consider purity of heart, if my attitude is off, my heart is off. If my attitude is bad, my heart is bad. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if I have a bad attitude, there's something wrong with my heart. But what we oftentimes do is separate our attitude from our actions. So we think because we are doing right thing, attitude doesn't matter. Attitude matters. So there's a way that a Christian is supposed to greet people. You know that? And if you greet them with bad attitude or wrong attitude, your heart wrong. So how Christians are supposed to greet? It says, greet the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. Now I don't expect you to walk around kissing people in the church. But, 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 but that scripture is speaking about affectionate love. So when you see somebody in the church and you walk in, that is why the attitude is supposed to be an attitude of affectionate love. And that is why you can't walk on past and don't tell people morning with a smile on your face. And greet them graciously. Because if your attitude stinks, it means your heart is also stinking. And if your heart is stinking, it means that you're missing out on your blessing because you're not dwelling in the place of the blessing. Tell your neighbor, say, attitude is important. Have you ever really loved somebody but you say to them, I don't like your attitude? Have you ever get up in a house and somebody say, what, what, what's wrong? What, what's with, what with this attitude this morning? Have you ever said, you need to change up your attitude? Because attitude is important. But a lot of people believe that because I pray, because I read my Bible, attitude doesn't matter. It matters. God is checking your attitude because your attitude is also a reflection of your heart. <laughs> you, you like to cuss? That's attitude. You like to think like, okay, but I'm not business what you want to say. That is attitude. You have to be the loudest in the room. That's attitude. There's a way to do it. Everything you do as a believer ought to be done with an attitude of love and grace and compassion. That is missing. Something is wrong with the heart. So that is why we must always be checking the condition of our heart as we see bad attitude. Every time I see my attitude off now, I check my heart. I say, God, what is causing this? What is causing this? So let me ask you, somebody splash up some water on you when I'm driving and mess up your clothes. What is your attitude? What words come out of your mouth? Somebody drives past you and cut across you. 
Almost hitting a car, what is your attitude? Because your attitude is important. Have you ever cooked and served food to your family with bad attitude? Like, my God, they, 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 they won't even want to come help me. I just, have, I just have to knead this floor by myself. You just throwing it, dumping them in the pot and you're dashing your salt and stuff and thing. Like, like, like. And, and in our heads, here's what. But I cooked. And because you cook, it don't matter the attitude you cook it in. It matters. Have you ever gone grocery shopping and you're complaining? That's attitude. Look how much money me have to spend, eh? Lord of mercy. There's a name of all I food I had, so none can stay there long. Right, 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 right. That's attitude. This I can't bother with me if you walk behind me, I turn off light, I turn off light, I turn off light. Light will go up, light will go up. I'm here paying the bill in here. Keep the light them off. That's attitude. Like, like, listen. But, but that don't matter. That don't matter, that don't matter. You know why? Because I'm paying the bills. So we use action to cover attitude. God says, listen, my people, if you want a pure heart, your attitude must be right. Because we look for big sin. Because we don't kill nobody, you know. It don't matter if we wish a taxi man crash and dead because in bad driveway. Because me never kill nobody yet. But if my attitude says that, it's okay. As long as I don't pull a trigger. The Bible is clear that only the people with clean hands and pure heart will succeed. Keep your attitude right. Keep your heart pure. Say we have to judge ourselves to ensure that our motives are pure and holy. Spoke about attitude. I'm going to speak about motives. Your motives must be pure and your motives must be holy. The motive is the why you do what you're doing. Are you doing it for the glory of God? Are you doing it because you love people or because you want to manipulate situations? See, just because we do good deeds, it doesn't mean that our hearts are pure. Even people do good things. Good deeds don't mean you have a pure heart. We have to make sure that when we're doing something, we're doing it with a purity of heart and with proper motives as to the why. Secondly, this morning is, in order to see more of God, our hearts must be pure. Do do you want to see God? I mean, uh, we're not talking about a physical being standing in front of us, but a manifestation of God in your life every moment of your life. I don't know about you, but I want that. The script, because the scripture said, blessed are the pure in heart. It's one of the beatitudes they call him. Matthew 5 verse 8. Blessed are the come on, man. We win Bible school. Blessed are the pure in heart because for they shall they shall what? Alright. Now, you have to read it again because I know it's the Beatitudes and you know them. But if you don't let it soak in, you're going to miss it. So let me ask you, let's read it again together. And, and I hope you get it. Because once you read it, you're supposed to get it. Alright? One, two, three. Blessed are the pure in heart. Alright. So, we can say that if your heart not pure, based on the scripture, chances are, you won't be seeing God. Amen? Amen. If the scripture says the pure in heart will see God, if the heart is not pure, then you're not going to see God. Alright, so when that says see God, what it means is that you're not going to see the working of God. In other words, in other words, here's what happened. When your heart is all clogged up, when your heart is all messed 
up, you can't really see the work of God in your own life. That is why when we were unbelievers, most of us didn't realize it was God working in our lives. And we couldn't see that God was working. So we never had faith to believe. That is why people who don't serve God know when you go to them and tell them that God do this for you, them say, what kind of God? They don't, they don't, guess what? Because their hearts are impure. When you and I got saved, we go even back to the past. And we now have pure hearts. So now we begin to see the workings of God all through our life. Making sense? So when your heart is pure, you begin to recognize the workings of God more. You begin to trust more. You begin to believe more because your heart is not clogged up. Amen? Your heart is not clogged up. So, it also means then that the state of your heart affects your vision. It doesn't affect your sight. It affects your vision. It affects your perspective. Do you know that when you got saved, do you realize you started seeing certain things differently? You weren't blind before. You had sight. But your heart was messed up. You had sight. But you didn't have perspective. Because your heart was not pure. So now that our hearts are pure, perspective has changed. You see your marriage differently. You see your neighbor differently. You see the people who you work with differently. Why? They are the same people doing some of the same things. But because your heart is now pure... Your heart changes what you see. So when you begin to see the negative in people and you see all evil about people, you know what you should check? Not, not your eyes. It's, your, it's our hearts that needs to be checked out. Because if our hearts are off, then we're not going to see God. And also if our hearts are off, we're not going to see God in people. We don't see that. So for our perspective to change with what's happening around us, our heart must be pure. So, 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 we, so we clean up our hearts by speaking the word and meditating on the scripture. So here's what happens as, as you speak the word, as you meditate on scripture, as this begins to happen, your heart is being cleaned up. How, how does it work? Um, you have the shower, they call them shower heads, right? Um, you know what I'm talking about? They have, they have all of these holes in them that the water comes through. Amen? Those of you who bathe, you know what I'm talking about, right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Alright, so it comes through them, but you buy them new and they work and, you know, they're very hard and stuff. I mean, I mean, we just read it the bathroom and stuff and, I mean, they're brand, everything brand new. Nice. I'm telling you, like, water coming, like, force, like, bam, hitting you, right? So here's what happened, but after a while, the chlorine in the water, right? Get, right, it gets hard and then the, it starts, it start, you know, it pressure starts. The, the pressure from the, the pipe outside is still as forced as it was before. That has not changed. But because the era is, the pores are clogged up, it makes the water trickle out. You know what is so funny? You know, sometimes we see it and move slow. And we wait until it really now come out before we try and fix it. You know? Some of the times, some of us are lazy. We nobody ever fix it. We just dash it to and get a new one. You know? we, we just can't bother. Alright? But, but if you're like me, what you do, you get vinegar, they say, and, hot, and warm water, and you just put it in there, and then, yes, 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 yes. It work again. Alright, somebody just learned something. <laughs> Try it out, right? Your pastor just saved us some good money. Hallelujah. Amen. You don't have to keep changing it, right? You do that and it clears it up and you're good to go. But here's a trick. You're when you buy them, read the instructions. There's a thing on it says that you're supposed to clean it every month. Have you ever seen it? I'm telling you because you don't read it. Every month you're supposed to clean it. 
Because if you don't clean it, it is telling you that it's going to get clogged up. And when it gets clogged up, it normally gets so messed up that it is disposed of. The vinegar that we use is reading the word and meditating on scripture to clean our hearts. The source that sends the water, Christ. The force never changes. What happens is that our hearts get messed up because there's all kind of things passing through. And here's what. If we don't clean and read the scriptures, if we don't use vinegar of speaking the word and meditating every day, it's going to get so bad and so clogged up that it gets disposed of. Are you following me, church? So, vinegar cleans the physical one. You know what cleans your heart? The word of God. That is why you need the word every you see, when the word of God is deposited in our heart, it will destroy any unclean thing or thought in it. You, you have to read the Bible every day. Remember, we had this, and I'm going to challenge you at the end of the service. Because, listen, you have to read your Bible every day. You have to meditate on God's word every single day. We need the vinegar. We need the hyssop. We need the laundry soap of God's word to wash our hearts Every day. Listen, you don't smell funky, but you still bathe. The heart must be washed every day. Don't try to wait until it gets bad, then we try and fix it. And if you don't do that, also understand that you must choose not to be a man pleaser. But set out to please God. Because there are some things that, listen, no way. Because I'm not going to allow certain things to contaminate my heart. So you can't be a man pleaser. You must be a God pleaser. Because God weighs the heart of every man and every woman. He knows what is happening. He sees, he knows, he checks out our hearts. He's checking out mine. He's checking out yours. So we must live lives of holiness we must live lives of purity before our god i mean it's amazing right because last week we spoke about how 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 the world is is trying to make us feel like everything is normal but god still expects us to be holy God still expects us to be pure in our thinking, in our living, in our motives, in our actions, in our attitude. God expects holiness. God expects purity. Or only holiness can do well with holiness. And this is what I believe is missing in the church today. People believe that somehow the standards of God has somehow changed and he requires less holiness now. God requires less purity now. And I'm challenging you, like until the church gets it right, until the church gets to this place of purity and holiness, where we are dwelling in the secret place, in the place where God commands his blessing life forevermore. The church is going to continue to grapple with the things that are happening in society. Waiting on governments and politicians and schools and businessmen to change what is happening in Jamaica. It won't change until we begin to live in purity in the heart so we can see the workings of God in society and see where God is working and join him in that work. It begins in the church because holiness acknowledges God's supreme greatness when we walk in holiness when we walk in purity it makes the world say that indeed God is glorious and God is supreme that is why holiness is important when the church fails to be holy then there is no witness for the world do you, do you hear me do you know you're always preaching it's just sometimes you're not using your mouth. It's your life. It says, if I be lifted up, I will draw. It means that when we live in holiness, people will say, yeah man, them God real man, them man the kind man, you don't notice them man, they more time things, them man they no quarrel man. You say them man they deal with things man. A humble brother that. 
Them are always seeking to help people. Them are always making a reason with them and them help me with some of my life problems. Never preach a sermon yet. But you're living in holiness. And it is acknowledging God's supreme greatness. When last have you seen somebody and said, listen, that is a man of God. That is a woman of God. I'm not talking about your brothers and sisters here in church. I'm talking you go somewhere and you see by people's attitude and actions that you say, listen, I can tell that that is a man of God. That is a woman of God. I can tell that that person loves the Lord. You know that people will think that about you? But you get to, you get to, you get to, at you know. There's a time when they were young and people say, me, I tell you, say, Miss Ponzi, daughter, really love Jesus, you know. Me, I tell you, say, Miss Ponzi, have a grandson there. Me say, the little boy, I love church, yes, see, man. Him don't miss nothing. Not, well, Mr. Ponzi is not a real person, right? Just using. So you can, if your name is Ponzi, my apologies. That was the name that came to me, all right? But here's what happened. All of a sudden, the world told us that that is too stuck up. That is too old-fashioned. That is too serious. So you need to change. You need, you, you need to look more, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you need to look more normal so that people can better. So, so, so let me ask you something. Say Jesus, say Jesus was in Jamaica today. You think he'll wear some of the pants that the guys are wearing? Huh? No, no. You, you think Jesus would you think Jesus would say, Well, a new time you know, you know? Uh, uh, yeah. you, you, you think Jesus he wouldn't? Well, I just know because the Bible tells me so. So those things change or God remains the same. And so we must never pretend that we have no faults. But we must confess to one another and pray for healing. So we can walk in holiness and purity. Don't pretend we have no faults. I have my stuff that I have to deal with. And I, like I'm telling this series is challenging me. So I have to be focused on looking at my heart and my attitude and my actions. James 5.16 in the Amplified Bible says this. Confess to one another. Therefore your faults. Come on tell your neighbor. You need somebody. Who you talk to. In, in, in the bracket it says. When it talks about your fault. It says your slips. Your false steps. Your offenses. Your sin. So you need somebody who you're talking to. Because, here's why. Everything you hide will be exposed. But when you expose it, it is covered. I will tell you this. Sin thrives in secrecy. If it's hidden, it's going to grow. It's like mold. If it is dark, it is spread. If light is shone on it, it dies out. If you keep hiding it and keeping it a secret, you're going to keep doing it. My grandmother would say, speak the truth and speak it ever. And then she would say, and the truth will set you free. For honestly, honesty is the best of policy. Amen, so let it be. And she used to make me feel like that was in the Bible. But it no go so. But it makes sense. It says, pray for one another. So when you are going to talk, it must be somebody who can pray. Not somebody who can P-R-E-Y on you, but somebody who can P-R-A-Y for you. Amen? Say, so pray also for one another. So you need to be praying for me. And I need to be praying for you every day. So we pray. God, I pray that they walk in holiness. God, I pray that Joshua would walk in holiness. I pray that uh, Glenroy would walk in holiness and purity before you, Lord God. We pray that way. He, says, he goes on and says this. That you may be healed and restored. So when you talk to people about...
about what you're going through. You pray about it. The scripture says you get healing and you are restored. It says to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. In other words, it heals your heart and your mind. The earnest, fervent, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. It is dynamic in its working. Early, Jesus has strict warning for those who um, those with contaminated hearts. Can't afford for your heart to be contaminated. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but inside are all full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. That's the scripture. There's a warning. We have to bring the things out so God can deal with them and live in purity. We are more focused on the outward appearance than the condition of our hearts. We think if everything is okay on the outside, and even I am guilty of that, we put on this facade and we make people feel like, yeah, 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 I'm doing it, I'm upright, I'm upstanding. But deep down in our hearts we know the Lord is, the Lord is saying to us this morning, listen, I know what is going on. You can do better than this. Live in purity and live in the blessings of the Lord. You see, Christians who pretend they are something they are not, they end up leading ineffective lives. And so God desires truth in the inward part. God wants us to be truthful on the inside. He heals the broken heart. Psalm 51, 5-7. This is David. Listen to this church. It says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. He said, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the inner parts, you will make me to know wisdom. Verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. I want you to know that 5 comes before 7. Alright? And in this particular scripture verse 5 comes before verse 7 verse 5 the psalmist starts with admission acknowledging he admitted that he was brought forth in iniquity he admitted that he was born in sin he admitted that before he got to the place where he spoke about being washed and being white he said that i have something wrong going on on the inside of me and that is what we need to do god you know what i am not right on the inside and god i need your help god i have wrong motives i have bad attitudes god something is wrong let me help you because i said this in the first service we have to be very careful we have to be very careful that we don't have everything going on right on the outside while on the inside like the scripture says we are full of dead men's bones a hypocrite is simply this a person who Acts the part outwardly, but they are not the part inwardly. That's the definition of a hypocrite in the scripture. You look like one. They are what the scripture call wolves in sheep. It's hard for you to identify a hypocrite. Because you don't know the hearts of the people. Let me tell you why. So what the church calls hypocrite is not hypocrite. According to the scripture. You know what the Lord says about these people? He says that the wheat and the tear will grow together until the day of harvest. You know why? One of these weeks I'm going to bring wheat and tear to you. And you can't tell them different. And if you try to pull them up, you pull up both. The scripture tells you that. You pull up both. So the real hypocrites in the church, you can't tell. Yeah, some... You have, some, you have some people who just, you just know them, them lie and deceitful. And we call them hypocrite. Because you know them say one thing and they do a different thing. That's not hypocrisy. That's deception. You can't tell the hypocrites. Because they look so close to the real deal that only Jesus can separate them. And so the challenge of scripture then 
is for us to ensure that we don't fall into that state. You see, Satan, he wants to contaminate our heart with sin. He's trying every day. And just like the scribes and the Pharisees, the devil wants to control and manipulate our lives. So we need to guard our lives and guard our hearts. The scripture says this um, in, in, in Proverbs 4, 20 um, to 20, 25. Remember, we dealt with this a couple of weeks ago. It says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sin. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are like life to those who find them and health to their flesh. It says, keep your heart without diligence or out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. Put away from you a... Put away from you a... Deceitful. Alright, let me help you, right? Let me help you. Christian not supposed to tell lie, okay? Amen? I mean, I don't think people generally should tell lie. I try to deceive people. Give this example earlier. I, I'm in this group with some... I have all of these groups. Like school group that I used to be a part of. So many times I just turn off notification because like, I don't know, people just, this WhatsApp thing, but people need to start paying for WhatsApp. Too many people using it, man. They just start charging a lot of money so some people stop using it. I, mean, I don't know, man. It's, it's tough. <laughs> anyway, but they don't believe one guy is there says he's an atheist. Which means he doesn't believe in God and that God exists. So he always tried to challenge me. He wants to debate because according to him, he cannot lose a debate on religion. Alright? And he wants people to debate him to prove that God exists. So I gave a very easy answer because I'm learning from Jesus. When people approach you, ask them questions. So I kind of said to him, listen, number one, I don't need to prove anything about God. Everything that God wants people to know, he does it by himself. He doesn't need anything. Alright? So what you need to prove to me, prove to me that a God don't exist. So, I don't need to prove anything to you. But you need to prove to me that God don't exist. If you use creation, I said to him, if you use creation, try a million times to throw any size jigsaw puzzle down and see if it come together. And if, uh, until that jigsaw puzzle comes together on its own, no other theory concerning creation can be real except a God doing it. Alright? So you know what they do now? They shift the goalposts and he says, well, the God for your religion. So he made it about Religion. So I said, so you have a problem with religion? Say, of course. But I said, but atheism is a religion. Because a religion is just a set of beliefs. And if you believe that there is no God, that is a belief that you have. Which is a religion. So if you have a problem with my religion, then you have a problem with your religion. So if my religion is wrong, then your religion is wrong. Because both of them are built on beliefs. You know what happened? The argument done. Because you know what they say to you? You know, answer my question. So here's what. And I'm learning in all of that. Because I could have gone into holy things and tried to sell God to people. To prove something. But don't let deceit. I say this because sometimes we have a way of exaggerating. So the same well, this person, they said something, and I said, listen, you're lying. He said, well, he wasn't lying, he was embellishing, because there's a difference between lying and embellishing. And his thing is that, listen, embellishing, in, is, embellishing or exaggerating is to add to the thing. You know, go extra. So let me give you the example. If I said to you, listen, boy, church empty, you know what I mean 
but it's not the truth. Amen? But you know what I mean. You, you take that, that I mean that the, 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 a lot of people are not in church. But to say church is empty is exaggerating and it is lying. So what you are doing, you're creating a narrative to manipulate the person's belief by giving information that is not so. So what you have to do first is to state the fact so the person accept the fact as the fact and then you add what you want to add. So I can say, listen, um, the church needs to evangelize more so that more people can be in church. That's a fact. Because there are not as many people in church. Right? And there are a lot of people who need to get saved. All of those are facts. And then you can say, when I say the church is empty, because now when you say it, it is in context. But if you say it without context, theorizing the argument, you're making the person believe something that is not so, which is deceitful. The scripture says, listen, as a child of God, deceit must not come from your mouth. Don't try to trick people to believe something that is not so by saying more than you're supposed to say. Have you ever said you're tired like a dog? Have you seen a tired dog? Yeah. But, but, but it says, and put perverse lips far from you. So turn to your neighbor and says, don't tell lie, don't tell lie. Tell him, say, don't tell lie. Come and tell him, say, listen, perverse lips are far from you. Say, so some jokes, you can't say. Some songs, you can't sing. Listen, there are some posts you know you can't read. My, my, kids, my, my kids are struggling with this, right? Because when they go to the States, they use all of these words that we tell them are curse words. That in the States, they are not curse words. It, it's, it's, the, it's, a kids, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kid's version of the curse word. So the curse word is only when they don't use um, the adult version. So for example, they, 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 they use this one called freaking. Right? Um, but it's just a replacement of the adult version of the curse word. So I say to my kids, a curse word is a curse word and there's no PG on it. So if I can't say the adult version, the kids version is not for you. No perverse thing come from your lip. So I tell them, listen, you can't sing certain songs. No song that says somebody is going to die or get killed, you can't sing. Because it is perverse. No song that speaks about sex outside of marriage. You can't sing because it's perverse. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. So we can guard our hearts by reading, meditating, and speaking scriptures daily. And we can guard our hearts... By being mindful of what we see, what we hear, and what we say. Finally, as we close, we maintain pure hearts through right actions and a pure attitude. Right actions. You have to do the right thing and you have to do it with the right attitude. Because right action and a pure attitude means that you will live at a higher altitude. And pure attitudes can only come from a pure heart. And pure heart refers to inward holiness. It refers to right motives. And it refers to uh, what we call godly goals. 
right? So blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So how do we maintain a pure heart? Three things. One, we maintain a pure heart by separating ourselves. And that means we have to love righteousness and hate sin. You have to separate yourself. You have to separate yourself. Come on, tell your neighbor, you have to separate yourself. There are some people who can't be in your circle. I want, uh, church, I want you to hear me. Listen, every time you grow deeper in the Lord, your circle is going to change. You have to also understand that there are seasons in your life for some people. And when the season is ended, you have to leave those people. You love them, but you leave them. Because there are seasons. So you can't bring your summer person into your winter. Because you're not used to that weather. And they are going to affect you. Alright, there are some people that are your burden. And some people that are your blessing. You can't stay with your burden. And don't be around the person who going to bless your vision. You need to be around those who are going to bless the vision that God has given you. So you can come back and help the people who are burdened to you. What happens sometimes is that we don't like to change our circle. Because we have become familiar. So the scripture is saying, you have, to, you have to separate. There are times when you have to move from people and move from places. Because that's where your vision and your purpose is bringing you. And nothing is wrong with the people. It's just that God is changing your season. We have to learn to separate. When you get to a certain level, you have to move away from certain things. Not, not only that I said last week, if, the, if, 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 if earthly people can tell who to talk to, then, then God must can tell him people who to talk to. The scripture says, do not be yoked together with an unbeliever. If you're a Christian, the Bible says, no talk to nobody who's not a Christian. That is it. it. Very simple. There's no, no, no explanation needed. Nothing. It's just like it says, thou shalt not kill. That, that's very simple. It, this is as simple. It says, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light up with darkness? What testimony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What argument is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be what? Separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Listen, if you want to maintain a pure heart, there are some people you can't be around. There are some friends you can't be around. The scripture says evil company corrupt good practices. I always share this when I was a teenager, right? There was a time I felt like my TV was my evil company. So you know what I did? I came out of my room and I stayed a thing for almost a year and three months on the same bed with my grandmother. Because I knew that in my grandmother's room I couldn't watch TV. And you were thinking, but that is ridiculous. But I did that for the preservation of my soul. Listen. I rely on God. I can't rely on my flesh. I ain't going to sit in a rum bar every day to try and win people to Jesus. Me give them a Bible. If they want to take the Bible, still a rum bar that dear thing. Because I know evil company corrupt good practices. There's, there are times when you have to change your circle. There are some good people. That they are not in this season of your life. Separate yourself. The other thing is that we maintain a pure heart by striving to please God. That's our motive. It's not about us. It's all about him. Everything we do, everything we are. Hebrews 3.16 says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices God is pleased. Seek to please God in everything you do. Nobody should seek their own good, but the good of others. Always consider people in all your action. 
as you seek to please God. Be a blessing to people and operate with the right motive. Finally, we maintain a pure heart by seeking God. This is the generation of those who seek him. Who seek your face. Seek God. In the morning, let God be your foremost desire. God, I want you more than anything else. I love you more. It's like a new toy. When you give a kid a new toy, when they get up in the morning, the first thing they want to do is to play with that toy. I got this thing recently. It's called a magic blender. A magic bullet. Our master bullet. Don't remember the name. But but magic bullet, master bullet, bullet master, whatever the name is. But the idea is you just get your banana and your papaya or your watermelon and you put it in there and it turns into um smoothie. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, 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 smoothie. Right? So um my son then they didn't like fruits. But now I have this smoothie machine. They make smoothie every morning. Oh man, they, they can't wait to get up and make smoothie. They want to fill up on their fruits. And all of a sudden, fruits are good for you. Right? 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 So that's the trick, right? Just, just get the smoothie machine and they'll eat the fruit. Right? We're going to do it with the vegetables as well. Alright? And see if they'll still like it. But, um, yeah, the, the idea though is that here it is that they've found this and it has bring them great joy and they're filling up on their fruits. You want to fill up on God? Listen, he has to be like that, that magic blend. There, magic mixer, whatever it is. Where every morning when you get up, you fill up on him. You have to get up in the morning and say, God, I want him more than anything else. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. You have to get up in the morning and say, Lord, I want you this morning. I need you more than I needed you yesterday. That is the place you have to be at. If you want to maintain a pure heart. You have to strive to please him. If you want to maintain a pure heart. You have to separate yourself from certain things and certain people. If you want to have a pure heart. Who shall ascend into the hills of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. See, as Christians, we must be motivated by love. And this love for God allows us to make decisions based on the word. And so when we base our thoughts and decisions on the word of God, we will not get a contaminated heart. Because a contaminated heart stops the blessing flow of God. We are to be God-pleasers, not man-pleasers. We must be about our father's business. And only a person with a pure heart can see God. Only holiness can stand before holiness. So we must get our hearts pure before God. The state of the world is because of the hearts of the people. And let's guard our hearts against Satan. With studying and meditating on the word of God. And we'll see an open heaven of God's blessings and favor on our lives. Amen. Listen, I want you to bow your heads with me. And I want you to just pray right now, right where you are. And this morning I want you to ask God to purify your heart. Just ask him this morning, so Lord, purify my heart. Make my heart pure this morning. And anything or everything that is in your heart that you know would contaminate your heart, if it is bitterness, if it is unforgiveness, if it is some hurt, emotional hurt or scar that you're carrying, listen, confess it to God. Say, God, listen, I'm emptying my heart of everything that would contaminate it. Purify me, Lord. Come and ask him. He says, listen, he says, Ask, and you will receive. Ask him for a pure heart. So if God gives us a pure heart, we have a job to maintain 
that pure heart. So here are the three things that we do. We separate ourselves. So we, we, right there praying to us, Lord, by an intentional act of my will, I choose righteousness over sin. I choose to separate myself from every impure thing and every ungodly thing. Put your hand on your chest and say, I am the temple of the living God. And God is in the midst of me. It's clear that by an intentional act of my will, I choose to please God in everything that I do. It's not about me, Lord. It's about you. By an intentional act of my will, I commit to seeking God every day. So just ask him, no, so Lord, just, just give me a deeper desire for you today. Hallelujah. Here's, here, here's what you're going to do, right? We give this instruction in the first service. It's, it's, I'm going to help you because there are some things that God will do for us and there are some things we will have to do for us. One of the things you're going to have to do is to read your Bible, speak the word, and meditate on the word. The psalmist says, Thine word have I hid in my heart, so that I might not sin against thee. The word gets in there as you read it, you meditate on it, and you speak it. So you have a Bible, uh, 15 minutes. 15 minutes every day. Commit, just say that to me, say, Lord, I, I am committed to read in your word for a minimum of 15 minutes every day. Help me, Lord, to keep this commitment. Now, I know that some of you are way past that, that, that school, but, but you have to start somewhere. You read your Bible. You may not understand it, but read it. Begin in Matthew. Begin in the New Testament. and Just read and get into the Old Testament and just read and read and read and read and read and read and let the word of God dwell in you richly. And so, Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you. I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for the desire that they have. A desire to live in holiness and purity. A practical holiness, Lord God. It's not about how loud we shout and scream in church. It's how we live our lives among people. Do we love? Are we kind? We think about how bad our attitudes have been and we say, Lord, forgive us for having bad attitudes. We have not always displayed the best attitude as believers and we say, forgive us. But holiness is about our motives. Why we do things and we have been manipulative and we have done things for selfish ambition. Lord, forgive us. We have also thought evil and we understand that uh, critical to our, our life is our thought life. And our messed up hearts have caused us to have evil thoughts. Lord, forgive us. We also know that the outcome of our life depends on the state of our hearts. So we ask you, Lord God, I ask you in the name of Jesus to purify every heart so that they can come dwell in the mountain of the Lord, the place where the blessing of the Lord flows forevermore. We thank you. We bless you. Lord, we honor you. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Come on, clap your hands for Jesus this morning. Come on, stand to your feet and give him a big hand clap. He deserves a bigger hand clap than that. Come on, just put your hands together. I, I challenge you that, I challenge you to live with a better, just start with the attitude. Let God be displayed in your attitude.
Sometimes be silent. Sometimes give people a chance. Be kind. Be gentle. Be long-suffering. Love people. Greet them graciously so they can sense and feel the presence and power of God. Amen? I encourage you as you go that no matter what you're going through, God is good. All the time. I know you may not feel good, you may not look good right now, but God is up to something good. Do you believe that this morning? God is up to something good. He's working something good for you. He's working something good. He's working something good for you. Do you believe that? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say to them, God is working something good for you right now. Receive it and believe it by faith. In Jesus' name. See you tomorrow at 6 a.m. And also choose the house of prayer at 6.30. When I'm in the roughest waters, I won't go under, I won't drown. And when I'm in over my head, I know that you won't let me down. When I'm broken and down to nothing, I know that you are always up to something good.